Welcome to Threshold Church. Today's message is from Pastor Jake Kale. God, let the power of your word be released and the power of your spirit in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. John chapter 11. Now, we're going to be covering quite a, quite a few verses. We're not going to read the whole, the whole chapter, but we're going to be covering quite a few verses here around the story of Lazarus. I actually often teach this story in connection with deliverance, but I want to go before, you know, as he was coming out of the tomb, I'll get there toward the end. But, but um, actually, a week ago, or a weekend, a couple days ago, I was in Shippensburg, and we had a weekend uh, of deliverance meetings there at a church. Some of our church team, team members were with us, and on Friday night, I was actually planning to preach on this chapter, and I was going to preach on Lazarus coming out of the tomb and the two commands Jesus gave, but during worship, I felt like the Lord gave me this phrase, and it reminded me of part of this story, which we'll get to, where, where Martha comes to Jesus and says, Lord, you know, if you would have been here, then, you know, um, my brother would have been saved, and then, he, and then she said something, I know that you'll raise him up at the last day. And she, she pushed it out to a future time. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And this phrase came into my heart that I want to go into tonight. We need to know God, not just as the I was, not just as the I will be, but as the I am. And so as I was praying this week and just seeking the Lord, he drew me back to this. And felt like I was supposed to bring a message here. And so we're going to start in uh, verse 1, actually, in John 11. We're just going to work our way through some of these verses. I want to set the context here. John 11, verse 1. A certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. That is a strange turn of events and a strange description. I want you to get the context here. I want you to understand what's going on here. Mary and Martha and Lazarus were some of the closest people to Jesus outside of his 12 disciples. You see in, in, in different Gospels, you see him in the Gospel of Luke, you see him in John, you see him in other areas in the Gospels where Jesus would spend time in Bethany. Jesus would spend time at their house. There's the story where, where Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him, and Martha was serving. There's the story that he kind of mentioned in there where, where Mary poured the oil on him. And so they were close, and it says he loved them. He said, he said they had close relationship. And especially when you understand some of the other miracles of Jesus, this sounds so strange. Because there are times when complete strangers came to Jesus and said, like, like a centurion, like a Roman soldier, who not even part of you know, the, the, the Jewish people, not even part of the family of God, so to speak, in that time of the Jewish lineage. And, and he said, Lord, please, my, my servant lies at home paralyzed and tormented. And Jesus said, I'll just say the word, he'll be healed. 
And right at that moment, that person was healed, right? He took action. He spoke the word. He released healing. And it's so interesting here in this story, it says that he loved this family. He loved Lazarus. He loved Mary. He loved Martha. So he waited two days. You know, sometimes God's love looks different than we expect. Sometimes God's love to us looks different than we expect. This is not what they expected at all. Especially, again, given Jesus' history of miracles and given Jesus' history with them, his friendship with them. You, you would have thought they would have gotten first priority. You would have thought they, it would have been an immediate response. Okay, I'm there. Let's go. Right? That's what they would have expected. God doesn't always act according to the way we think he should act. Now, I say that, and we all know that, but when it happens to us, it feels different. Right? He doesn't always act according to our timetable. He doesn't always act according to our thinking. He doesn't always act according to the way we would think he would act. And if we're not careful, we could get offended at God. This happened to John the Baptist, one of the best of the best, one of the best prophets. Jesus said he was more than a prophet. Jesus said no one was greater up until that time in the kingdom of God than John the Baptist. Yet when John the Baptist was in prison, he wasn't expecting to be in prison. The circumstances didn't seem to fit. Wait a second, God. I prepared the way for the Messiah. I was obedient. I spoke the word. You're you're the one who sets prisoners free. I'm sitting in prison. And it says he sent some of his disciples to go to Jesus and say, Jesus, are you the one who is to come or should we look for another? Think about this. This is the one who clearly saw that Jesus was the Messiah. This is the one who said, Behold, the the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one who saw the Holy Spirit like a dove. Saw the Holy Spirit, literally saw with his own eyes the Spirit of God coming upon Jesus. And that God had spoke to him and said, The one on whom you see the Spirit of God come upon, this is the Messiah. He knew he was the Messiah. What changed? His circumstances changed. God didn't act maybe the way he thought he was going to act. God didn't maybe do what he thought he was going to do. He didn't know he was going to end up in prison or beheaded for his obedience. And what did Jesus do? He said, tell, go tell John what you see, what you hear. The deaf hear, the blind see, the lepers are cleansed, the dead are raised. The good news is preached to the poor. In other words, I'm fulfilling all the prophecies of what it said about me, of what I was going to do as the Messiah. But then he said this, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Do you know that sometimes Jesus acted in ways that could have been offensive to people if they allowed it to be offensive? And I don't always know why or how or what he was. God is God. here's, here's, Here's the truth. If God always did what you wanted him to do, 
when you wanted him to do it, he would not be God, you would. Right? Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. The Syrophoenician woman who had a daughter that was de- tormented by a demon, and he, she goes to Jesus and says, Lord, please, my daughter is tormented. Please help her. That sounds like a request he would normally say, oh, let's go. Let's cast that demon out. Let's go do it. What did he, what, what did he say? It's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. <gasps> Whoa. Jesus would have got canceled in our day. <laughs> Boom, he's done. Social media, you know, deleted. Can you believe he said that? She refused to be offended. She refused to be offended. She said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs can eat some of the crumbs that fall on the table, fall off the table. She refused to be offended. She pressed through, and Jesus said, wow. Great, this is great faith. Your, your daughter is healed because of your great faith. And if we're not careful, we can be offended at what God does, what God doesn't do, how God acts, what the timetable that he's on. And sometimes we have to wrestle through some things that don't seem to make sense to us. It's so easy, especially in our charismatic circles of church where we believe in breakthrough, we believe in miracles, we believe all those things, right? We believe those things. Sometimes we have to be careful not to get offended when God doesn't do something that we thought he was going to do or that we thought he should do, when he should do it. Just like Mary and Martha, just like Lazarus, we don't always have the full picture. We don't have the full picture. We don't know all the details. We don't know all, the, all that God's doing behind the scenes. We don't know everything that God's up to in all the circumstances. We don't see it from his perspective. I just want to encourage you on this. I just sense the Lord moving on this. Not to allow your heart, if you have had disappointment or offense toward toward God. You've been in that prison like John the Baptist. You've been in that place where, wait a second, how did this happen? How did I end up here? What is going on here? There there is a grace to release that to the Lord. Say, God, I don't get it, but I give up my right to understand why, and I release it to you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. You can't fully trust if you insist on understanding. I'm not saying that God won't sometimes bring understanding. But sometimes it's just a mystery. Sometimes we just don't know the full scope of all that's happening, what God's doing. 
We wrestle through things that don't seem to make sense. And so here they are in that, that kind of a situation where Jesus, who's closely connected to this family, says, he heard he was sick, he stayed two more days to the place, in, in the place where he was. And then time continues to go on. Eventually he says, let's go. Let's go to Lazarus. In verse 11 it says, after these things, these things he said, after that he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get well. Man, how did Jesus put up with those guys for so long? <laughs> However, Jesus spoke of his death. They thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Jesus, let him sleep. He's going to get better. <laughs> then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Now, isn't that interesting? What did verse 4 say? This sickness is not unto death. How do you, how do you connect verse 4 and verse 12? Or I mean, sorry, verse 14. How do you correlate that? How do you reconcile those two verses? Now, we know the full, if you, if you read the Bible, you know the full story. But, how, but when you're in their shoes, when you're the disciples right now, and you just heard your master a week earlier, three days earlier, four days earlier say, this sickness is not unto death. It's, it's, it's for the glory of God. He's not going to die. Lazarus is not going to die. Maybe that's why they thought he was sleeping when he said he sleeps. Because they were, he couldn't be dead because Jesus said he wouldn't die. This is just getting confusing. Again, it's so easy. We, we know, because we know the full story. We know what's going to happen. We know, but they don't know the whole story. They don't, they're in the middle of it. They're in the timeline. Experiencing all the emotions around it. And then you go to verse 17. It says, when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. That's pretty dead. And he, he, he left no doubt. Been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. Many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. God, if only you had done this. God, if you, if you would have done this, things would have been better. God, if you would have intervened here, this bad thing wouldn't have happened. God, if only you could have done this, why didn't you take my advice? Why didn't you hear my prayer? Why didn't you listen? Why didn't you respond? Why didn't you act? God, you said this in your word. God, you said that if we, do, if we pray, then you'll do this. God, you said you'll heal. God, you said you deliver. God, all... She's wrestling through. This is, these are real people. This is real life. This is real mourning. This is real circumstances. They're wrestling through. Verse 
If only you had been here. If you would have done what you did for the other people. If you would have done what you did for the paralyzed man or the centurion servant. We've seen you do this so many times. How come you couldn't come? But even now, I know, whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. I know eventually, at the last day, at the resurrection, at the end of the age, he'll he'll rise again. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. You're looking at the resurrection, he said. I am the resurrection. The resurrection is not just a time, it's a person. The resurrection is not just going to happen someday down the road. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. She goes and she finds her sister Mary. It says that she went and secretly called Mary. Mary comes. Look at verse 32. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. It sounds like they've been talking. Sounds like they've been processing together. And this is the conclusion they came to together. How come he didn't come? If only he would have. It was the same exact word for word statement. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. Some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? See, this is like the narrative that they're all, they're all just confused about. He did this, he did that. Why didn't he do this? I really want to zone in on something, though. When he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you know how many times Jesus used that phrase, I am? We know from the Old Testament how God revealed himself specifically with Moses in Exodus chapter 3 in the burning bush. And Moses was... God was sending him to, to, to Egypt to set the people of Israel free. And they're kind of, Moses is starting to backpedal. Lord, how can I do this? And he's kind of arguing with God. And um, who, 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 who should I tell them sent me? And God says, tell them I am sent you. I am who I am. I am. And so we know, we, we know that backstory. And then we see all throughout, the, especially the book of John, he's using that phrase a lot. I am the good shepherd. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection and the life. He's trying to say something to us by using that type of language. Because I am speaks of now. I am speaks of present I am speaks of the here and the now. 
And if we are not careful, our understanding of God, our revelation of God, our relationship with God will be about I was and will be about I will be, but not about I am. We need to know God, not just as the I was, not just as the I will be, but as the I am. Do you know that God is the God of the past and the present and the future? We, said, we talked about the book of Revelation during worship, right? Holy, holy, Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Was, past, is, present, is to come, future. We know that in Hebrews it says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, past, today, present, and forever, future. He's the God of the past, the God of the present, and the God of the future. But if we are not careful, we will only relegate him to a God of the past and a God of the future, but not a God of right now. Not a God of today. Not a God of present Present tense. Sometimes we get stuck in the past or we're dreaming about the future, but we don't have faith for the present. Here's the thing about the present. The present requires faith. The present requires faith. A type of faith that is different than what Martha described. I know he'll be raised at the last day. There's a measure of faith there. It's, okay, I know there's going to be a resurrection. I know it's going to happen. But not the type of faith that says he will be raised now. That's a whole different realm. I remember, see, I didn't come from a church background that believed in anything miraculous or supernatural. How in the world do you read the Bible and not believe in a God of the supernatural? My goodness. How, how do you read the Bible and say, the gifts of the Spirit don't happen today? That's not in the Bible. But I grew up in an environment that didn't have any expression of the supernatural, didn't have any expression of faith for now, never once saw a miracle, never once saw a person delivered from a demon, never once had a supernatural encounter, like speaking in tongues or a prophetic word or nothing like that. So when I started, you know, my own really journey with God at 19 and I'm devouring scripture and I'm growing in the Lord and, you know, I experienced, you know, a baptism of the spirit and this rocking my world. I'm like, man, I was robbed. I was, what's going on here? But I remember the first time somebody ever offered to pray for me for healing. It was like, and I didn't have a major issue. I had a back, I just had pain in my back. It wasn't like horrible, but I had some back pain and it was my wife's at the time we were dating, it was her dad, and says, well, let's pray. can I pray for you for healing? Have you ever offered to pray for somebody for healing? And they're like, yeah, sure. And they start walking away. Because they think you mean you'll pray for them, like, at home. Like, you're going to go home and... 
Because that's a little safer. You're like, oh, no, I mean, I want to lay hands on you right now. I want to pray right now. I remember the first time when he, he said, well, can, can I pray for you for healing? I'm like, it messes with you because now you have to come to grips with something. Sometimes our prayers are so vague, so unspecific, that we'll never know whether they get answered or not. Because we've, there's such a fear of disappointment. There's such a fear of what if nothing happens? Is that going to rock my faith? You know, because I know in the Bible it says ask, you'll receive, right? All this we were wrestling through. And that, I, I remember being in that place of like, oh, man, like he's going to pray for healing right now. It's either going to happen or it's not going to happen. Like, that's it. Because I didn't have faith for God to do a miraculous healing in that moment. I didn't. I think I shared the first time I ever saw an actual healing miracle, maybe two or three weeks ago, I shared a little bit about that. And how when it happened, I, it, it shocked me. The person actually got healed. I've been praying for people. This is a little bit later, and I was actually believing what the word said and standing on it. And I was praying for people, and nobody was getting healed. And I was keep praying for people. And then finally somebody's shin, their shin had a chip bone, and they were on crutches. I prayed, and he called me 10 minutes later and said, I'm, I walked back to my dorm. I'm here. And I'm like, wait, what? Wait, it actually happened. Like, I wasn't expecting it. See, because it's so easy for us to be in that place without having expectancy for the now. For the now. Sometimes we get caught up in the I was God. The God of I was. Now let me, let me just bring some clarification to that. It is so important to remember what God has done. And that speaks of past. That speaks of history. That speaks of your testimonies. That speaks of your, maybe your salvation. Maybe that speaks of a way God provided. Maybe the way God directed you. Maybe the way God protected you. Maybe the way God healed or set you free or led you in a certain way. Or It's so, so important to remember what God has done. But there's a difference between remembering and living in a place of reminiscing. There's a difference between just remembering like, oh man, and you're drawing from that history. You're encouraging yourself in the Lord. You're remembering the acts of God and it's causing you to have faith for now. It's causing you to have strength for today. It's causing you to get through those situations like we talked about where you don't understand what's happening, but God, I know you're faithful. God, I know you've done this. You've done this. I know you're gonna provide. I don't know how, I don't know, but you're gonna do it. That's different than living in a place of reminiscing. Oh, remember the good old days? Remember, remember 30 years ago when I first, you know, received Christ and oh, I was so on fire for God? Yeah, that was such a good, that was so good. That was so nice, you know? Oh, I, I remember, I remember, you know, this time when God, you know, just, but it's almost like you're stuck there. It's almost like you're living there. You're not just drawing from there and living in the present. It's almost like you're just, you're living in the past. You're living in a God of, with the God of the I was. Here's what he used to do. Here's what happened 30 years ago, 10 years ago. You see that difference between remembering 
Good, good, good to do that. And then just that reminiscing where you're just kind of like, you're living in that place. If we're not careful, we can end up in that place because we can lose focus on what God is saying now. See, God is a living God. He's, a, he's the living God. He's alive now. He wants a relationship with us today. He wants us to know him today. And if we're not careful, we can live in the past instead of drawing from the past and living in the present. Or on the other side, we can only know God as a God of the I will be. That's where Martha was at. And again, important clarification. It's important to have hope for the future. It's important to have hope for things that haven't happened yet. It's important to have hope for one day when Jesus does this or when Christ returns or when this happens. So I'm not saying, again, there's there's a clarification here. There's a difference between contending for the promises of God and always projecting the works of God to a later date. It's one thing to contend and stand because maybe the promise hasn't been fulfilled yet. Because maybe you know God has spoken this in his word or God's given you that prophetic word. God's given you that promise. And so you're standing, you're contending, you're praying because there is timing, there is delay. There is times where, where nothing, not everything happens in that moment, right? But if we're not careful, we can always be projecting everything to a later date. Everything to a later date. Yeah, one day when God does this, one day, oh, I know, I know he's going to do this. We do this with, with revival because we're so hungry for revival. And so we, we want revival. We're praying for revival. But we always, we always want to put, you know, and again, there's this balance. Like I'm, I'm contending for revival. I'm contending for outpouring. I'm contending. But at the same time, we have to live in the present. What is God doing now? How is God moving today? How is he speaking now in this time, in this place? I want you to notice what what Jesus then said. If you continue on in this passage, now in verse 38, then Jesus again groaning in himself. Now, I've heard different takes. I haven't studied this out, so I'm not going to speak with any type of authority on this specific thing, but I've heard different takes on why Jesus wept and why he was groaning. I've heard some people, it it was compassion and he was weeping out of, and we know Jesus was filled with compassion. He always was moved with compassion often. But I've actually heard another angle on this. I've heard people teach that it was more like, he was almost like grieved at the unbelief in the, in the uh, so I'm not going to speak into that. I don't know. Um, again, we know that Jesus was a person that walked with the Father's compassion and heart. But I said he was groaning in himself, came to the tomb. Maybe he was wrestling against the spirit of death. Maybe he was, maybe there was, maybe there was a warfare going on as he's emerging to that tomb. 
Verse 39, Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench. He's been dead four days. I love the King James Version. Behold, he stinketh. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's what it says. Isn't that right, Peter? King James, you got King James there? He stinketh. You can start using that now in your house. Man, it stinketh in here. What's going on? I mean, this is decaying flesh. This is like, this is as hopeless as it gets. This is as, this is as bad as it gets. They're already confused about what's going on. Now he says, take the stone away. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you, if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? If you would believe, you would see. Here's the thing about I am. Here's the thing about knowing God as the I am in the present tense, God in the here and now. It requires faith. Sometimes we say, if I see, I will believe. God says, if you believe, you will see. Well, if God does this, then I'll know. And sometimes God is gracious to us. And sometimes people are like, God, if you're really real, you know, show me a sign. And he does. I'm not saying he'll never do that. But that's not the principle here. The principle, he says, is if you believe, you will see the glory of God. What came first? The faith came first. The glory came second. The believing came first. The manifestation came second. So the present tense requires faith. And sometimes that means overcoming our disappointment. Sometimes that means overcoming our fear of disappointment. Sometimes that means embracing the mystery of not knowing, not understanding it all or not knowing why. Or sometimes we have to be released from past disappointments or situations where, God, I prayed for that and nothing. And I, need, I need to have a fresh revelation, a fresh faith. But it requires true faith. But here's the thing about faith. Faith is not something. Faith is not magic. Faith cannot just be conjured up. Faith is based on relationship with God. It's based on knowing him in an intimate way. That's why it says those who know their God will be strong and do great exploits. They know their God. There's intimate relationship with him. Faith comes from abiding in the vine. Faith comes from connection with God. Faith comes from hearing God's word. Faith comes out of relationship with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we think faith is just like a magic, if I just say the right words, if I just do the right thing, if I jump through the right hoops, right? And we're trying to work up enough faith. I remember hearing this story from one of the great healing evangelists of the way of the early 1900s, Smith Wigglesworth, His name alone is this classic. (laughs) Wigglesworth. My son Jude just read one of his little biographies on him. 
He's reading through different God's generals for kids. He's reading through, and he really just was intrigued by some of the stuff that old Smith did. But I remember hearing one of these stories where Smith Wigglesworth goes to pray for a lady who's sick, and he gets there, and the lady is saying over and over again, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. He goes, no, you don't. <laughs> or else you wouldn't be saying that. No, you don't. <laughs> I think he picked up, she was just trying to conjure, she was trying to work herself into it. Is there a place for confessing the word? Yes. Is there a place for confessing the word, declaring the word, speaking the promises? Yes, sometimes we need to speak the word to get faith, right? But what I'm trying to say is faith isn't just something you just can flip a switch and, oh, I have it. It's born of relationship with God. I think we have a lot less faith than we realize or else more mountains would be moved. He said, if you believe and do not doubt, you'll speak to this mountain and say, be gone from this place into the sea and it'll obey you. So maybe our faith isn't where it needs to be. And that's not a statement. I'm speaking to myself, our. But the answer is not just to say, okay, I gotta believe more. I gotta believe more. I gotta, it's like, God, give me a revelation of Jesus as the resurrection and the life. Give me a revelation that you are the living God today. Give me a revelation of what you want to do so that when I step out, I'm doing it in obedience to your word. Like Peter, he stepped out of the boat because Jesus said so. He said, if that's you, say the word and I'll do it. He wasn't being presumptuous. Sometimes we confuse presumption and faith. And Peter wasn't being presumptuous. He stepped out at the word of God. He said, if, you, if that's you, Jesus, call me out of the boat. I'll step out. We need to hear his voice. We need to know him intimately. And out of that place, we need to see him as the resurrection and the life. And when we're in connection with him that way, we'll begin to see God in the present as the I am. I'm telling you something. This generation needs to know God as the I am. This, this generation needs to see God in tangible ways. This generation needs to know that God is the living God. They don't just need our doctrines. They don't just need our creeds. They don't just need to know what our belief systems are. They need to see God as the living God, as the great I am. Paul said, my message and my preaching was not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power so that your faith would not be in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. He said, I, I didn't just say something. I did. There was a demonstration of God's power so that no one could rob you of your faith. No one could talk you out of it because you encounter the living God. No one could change it because you used to be blind, but now you see. We need to somehow get into this place where we're living with a God who was, who is, and is to come. It's all three. A God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We have to come to that place where we're in alignment with what he's doing now. I'm telling you, I want to see God move in the present. I love stories, but 
What about right now? What about today? What about seeing God move now? What about seeing God move in this room today? What about, God see, what about seeing God touch people's lives, heal people's bodies, deliver them from sin, break off oppression? Now we get to what happens when he gets to the tomb. Take away the stone, right? Did I not say, if you would believe, you'll see the glory of God. They took away the stone from where the dead man was lying. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, and but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Boy, it's so simple when it's God. I'm telling you, the more we see God as the I am and not just as the I was or the I will be, the more simple our prayers are going to be for healing, for deliverance, for God to act, for God to move. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with if we got to persevere in prayer for hours until the answer comes. If that's where we're at today, then all right, let's, but do you see how simple it was when he was in that place, in that posture, knowing what God was going to do, knowing what the Father had sent him to do, complete confidence. I, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Lazarus, come forth. Three words. He who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes. His face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. He had double the words on the uh, deliverance part. That's, the, that's, that's when I teach this passage. To me, this is an example of salvation and deliverance. Spiritually speaking, aside from the fact of the actual miracle that happened, somebody after being dead in a tomb for four days, decaying, and at three words at the mouth of Jesus, he's brought back from death. And he walks out of the tomb. You can apply that in various ways. Right? What is your Lazarus? What is your... Situation, your impossible situation, your Lazarus situation. That you've actually given up all hope on. Because by now it stinketh. It's like it's it's beyond. I mean, maybe maybe day one I was contending for that resurrection. Maybe day two, you know, come on. Day three, okay, day four. To the place where only God could change it. That's it. Only a miracle of God. No other explanation. If he'd been dead for 30 minutes, he came back from the dead, they would have said, oh, it was a medical, you know, some, his heart just went out and he just, 
No, but when you're, in, when you're this far gone, what is your situation? It's that far gone. So you can apply that in many ways. You can apply that to real life. I look forward to the days when there's literal resurrections of the dead happening. Literal resurrections. In Matthew 10, Jesus trained his disciples and he sent them out on their first mission trip. And he said, preach the kingdom, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Missions 101, Peter, right? By the way, when, you, when, when, you're, when you're going out there, you know, just raise, raise some people from the dead. If you come across someone who's dead, just... I mean, what type of realm were they living in? What type of faith were they walking in? But we can also apply this spiritually and because I believe this is a symbolic picture of salvation and of deliverance. Jesus gave two commands. The first one, Lazarus, come forth. What did it do? It brought a resurrection. Do you know that salvation is resurrection from the dead? In the book of Ephesians, it says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You stinketh, you stunketh. <laughs> Past tense, for those that are out of that place already, right? You, he said you were dead, literally, before coming to Christ, the Bible says we are spiritually dead. We need a resurrection. We actually need to be raised from the dead spiritually. We actually need new life. That's why he says you're born again. That's why it says you become a new creation in Christ. Do we understand what this salvation means? Do we understand what it means to be saved, to be raised from the dead spiritually? Do you know that in this salvation, it's not just your sins are forgiven. You are given a new nature. Because that tomb represents that sin that you can't get out of, that keeps you dead, your spirit being dead, disconnected from the life of God, bound by sin, trapped by sin, bound by the flesh, bound by the sinful nature. And when Jesus comes and he calls you by name, he says, Lazarus, calls you by name, he says, come here. He calls you by name, he says, you belong to me. Something happens. You are delivered from that bondage. You are raised from the dead. Salvation is not just about your sins being forgiven. It is about going from death to life. Okay. Praise the Lord. Do we get that? But what happens when Lazarus comes out of the tomb? It says he's bound, bound, in bondage, wrapped up, grave clothes, wrapped around him, around his face, around his feet, around his hands, around his face. It's his identity. Your face is your identity, covering your identity. You don't know who you are. Around your hands, you, you can't 
serve. You can't function. You can't do what you're supposed to do around your feet. You can't move very fast. You can't walk very fast. You can't run the race. You can't move forward in everything God has for you. And here's what I have found, and this is why I'm so passionate about deliverance ministry, why I talk about it so much, why we minister, why we believe in it, because so many believers have found themselves between command one and command two. where they, they've had that experience of being born again. They've had that experience where I know my sins were washed away. <clears throat> I know I've been given a new life in Christ. I know I've been given an eternal destiny. I know that, but I'm wrapped up. The effects of death are still wrapped around me. The effects of my previous life, maybe it was the trauma I went through, the abuse I endured. Maybe it was the sinful choices I made that are still haunting me. Maybe it was an oppression from the enemy, lies of the devil. Maybe it's torment in our mind. God never intended salvation without deliverance. God never intended Lazarus to be raised from the dead and live the rest of his life wrapped up in bondage. So he said, loose him, let him go. Set him free. Remove the bondage. Remove the oppression. Release him from it. See, because there's two primary issues that we're dealing with in, our, in the fall of man. It's the fallen nature, the sin nature that happened. And then secondly, it's the demonic kingdom, the, the, the devil's kingdom that began to infiltrate. Those two areas. I heard a testimony just last weekend when I was in Shippensburg. <clears throat> I walked in the doors. I preached there on a Sunday morning, the last Sunday in February. And when I walked through the doors, I saw a young man. I recognized him. I said, hey. So I knew his name. I remembered his name. And I said, um, it, it had been a couple years. But um, I said, didn't you, weren't you at one of my deliverance meetings? You know, da, da, da. And he, he, I was like, didn't you receive ministry? He was like, yeah, I got set free. He was telling me. He didn't give me all the details. He just gave me a little snippet. He said, I was free. I got set free from pornography and da-da-da. So that was back at the end of February. So then a few weeks later, when I was there last weekend, I get there. For, I, was, I was driving there. I was praying. I was driving there. I was like, oh, I should have reached out to him to see if he'd be willing to share his testimony. It'd be great to hear, you know, people to hear. So he, so I get there. He's one of the first people I see. I get there. I'm unpacking my stuff. He's, he's there. His car. I'm like, hey, would you be willing to share your testimony tonight? He said, absolutely. I'm going to go pray for a few minutes. I'll get my thoughts together. I'll, I'll share my testimony. I didn't know the details of his testimony. I didn't, I didn't even know the scope of what he came out of. He had the grave clothes wrapped around his life. He had grown up. He, it, he, he had been in a, he was a foster child. He had, was in the foster care system. He had been abused. He had um, pornography addiction. He had been drawn to same-sex attra same attraction, homosexual. All, all this stuff was there. All this stuff was there. And he said, I didn't believe in deliverance. I didn't think I knew. I didn't think I, you know. He, he was going to Lancaster Bible College, by the way. LBC. I don't think they preach deliverance. 
yet. He was going there. So I can't remember how he ended up at this gateway all day training I was doing. And he's sitting there. He said the whole time, I'm just feeling this stuff going on. He's like, I, I got to get out of here. Something's, he's feeling this you know, nervousness and the, the demonic stirring up. And he's like, all right, I'm just going to get through lunch. I'm gonna. He comes back. He comes to the ministry session. During the ministry session, where I'm leading this group of people through this prayer for deliverance. He's praying through the prayer. He's he's going through the repentance and the breaking off of, you know, forgiving people and breaking generation. He's going through his prayer. And he said, as he's going through the prayer, it's like he feels, it's like he feels the Holy Spirit beginning just to come and just fill him. He described it like if you put a bunch of ping pong balls in a bucket and you pour a bunch of water and they all just come up to the surface. He said, that's what it felt like as God was, his spirit just coming and filling me. It was like all this junk just began to come up to the surface. All this stuff began to come out of him, began to leave him. And he was two and a half years ago, he got set free from that and he was free. He's been free from this, from that day forward to now. And I never even knew until like last week. It's like, man, that's, God is so good. God is so good. Let's stand to our feet. If Tyler's in the room, I was going to have Tyler just. You know, the word in the Greek language, one of the words that is often translated for salvation or for saved is a Greek word called sozo, S-O-Z-O. You see it? It means salvation, healing, and deliverance. Those words are often used interchangeably in the Bible. Forgiveness, salvation from our sin, deliverance from demonic oppression, healing physically, emotionally. I want to believe God to move right now in this room. I want to believe God to touch people in this room. Can we just begin to pray for a minute? And I'm going to, I'm going to lead us through just a little bit of ministry time. We'll see how the Holy Spirit's leading here. But can we just pray for a minute or two? Let's just begin to pray. If you, if you pray, just begin to, begin to pray out right now. If you pray in the Spirit, just begin to pray in the Spirit. We want God to move in our midst right now. God, we, we want to know you as a today God. We want to know you as a now God. Father, we don't have all the answers. God, we can't force you to do anything. But we want to see you as a God of today. We want to see you as a God who moves in our midst, God. We want to see you in a real way, in a tangible way, God. God, I ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to begin to flow in this place, in this room. God, I ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to begin to flow through this live stream, God, as those are watching in their homes. God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that release, God, of the power of your Spirit to fall in this room in the name of Jesus right now. In the name of Jesus right now. Thank you, Jesus.
Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to have some ministry for salvation, for healing, and for, and for deliverance. We're going to flow through some of that. But I know this is a gathering of believers, but I also know there's a chance that there might be people in the room that maybe you haven't had that first encounter, that Lazarus come forth, that out of the tomb of sin, that out of that tomb of darkness where you went from death to life, where you went from that sin nature to that new creation. And so before we go on, I just wanna, I wanna just make a place for that real quick. The Bible says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says that Jesus came to the earth in the flesh, that he died on the cross for my sins, for your sins, for our sins, for the penalty of sin, that we couldn't earn our way to God. We couldn't work our way to be good enough to get to him, but he died in my place. He died in your place. That everyone who repents, turns from that sin, puts their faith in Jesus, is saved, receives salvation, receives eternal life. It says in 2 Corinthians 6:2, behold, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. He is the I am. He is the God of the present. And I just want to right now just offer an invitation. If there's anybody that just senses that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, is calling you by name through this message, just like he called Lazarus by name. I don't want, I don't want you to respond out of just because you feel like you're supposed to or out of an emotional thing, please. But if you are sensing God tugging you, speaking to you, and you're saying, I need salvation. I need to know God in a personal way. I need to be forgiven of my sins. I need to be saved. If that's anybody in this room, I want you to put your hand up. Thank you. Anybody else that want to put their hand up? Put your hand up if that's you. I think I saw one, I saw one hand go up. Is there any other hands over there? Thank you. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to lead us now through a prayer. This is specifically for people that raise their hands to pray this, but I want everyone to do it together, just as the family of God together. I want you to say this prayer. This is a simple prayer. It's not about magic words. It's about your heart turning to God, saying, God, I need you. God, I call upon your name. God, save me. I believe that you took my place on the cross. So say this out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your grace and your mercy to me. I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to this earth 
to die on the cross as the Lamb of God who takes away my sin. I turn to you right now. I turn away from sin, from everything evil. And I turn my life to you, God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that your blood cleanses me from all unrighteousness and from all sin. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Wash me. Make me white as snow. I ask for you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Live on the inside of me. Give me a new heart. Make me a new creation. I receive your grace, your forgiveness, your love for me right now. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Can we just clap our hands for the Lord? Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Now, we're going to go into some other ministry, but if you were one of the ones that had raised your hand and had prayed that like for the first time, I want to make sure you see somebody, you know, one of our ushers, um, just once we close, once we close down, just make sure you talk to somebody to get, get more prayer and just make a connection. So we're going to go into some, some other ministry here for, for freedom. Because I know there's people in this room that you came into this room and there's still some grave clothes that were wrapped around you. And I'm telling you, God wants to set you free from that spirit of heaviness, from that spirit of oppression, from that spirit of fear. God wants to set you free. Some of you are going to leave this place different than you came. Things that you were carrying, you thought you'd carry the rest of your life. God wants to lift them off right now. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Pray this out after me. We're going to do this together, all right? Pray this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you that on the cross, you became a curse for me to set me free from every curse and to inherit God's blessing. I thank you that the power of your blood cleanses me from sin and redeems me from the kingdom of darkness. I submit to you, God. I want every area of my life to be in agreement with you and with your word. I'm just getting a sense from the Holy Spirit that for some people in the room, that, that grave that they might be in is a, is a prison of unforgiveness. Well, there might be situations you've walked through, pain you've gone through, betrayal, abuse you've gone through, and you've taken on a hatred, you've taken on a, a, an anger, a, a bitterness. And that as you, begin to, as you begin to forgive right now, as you begin to release right now, that, that prison door is going to open up so you can begin to walk out of that. And I just want to be clear, when you forgive, that's between you and God. That doesn't mean it was okay what happened to you. It doesn't minimize what, what, what was done to you, the abuse that happened, the pain that happened, the betrayal that happened. It doesn't mean you need to have a 
try to reconcile with that person necessarily. It's case by case. But between you and God, when you forgive, you release, that prison door is gonna open. So let's pray this together. Say, Lord Jesus, because you have forgiven me, I choose to freely forgive every person who's ever sinned against me or hurt me in any way. I set aside all hatred. I set aside all resentment. I set aside all bitterness. And I choose to forgive. Specifically, I forgive. Now take a minute right now, begin to say their names. Say, Jesus, I forgive. And begin to speak the names of those people you need to release right now. Come on, just begin to speak their names out. Say, Jesus, I forgive. And just say that person's name. God, we release to you right now. We release to you. We let go, Lord. We cancel the debt. We release to you, God. Lord, let that prison door begin to open up. God, I pray right now, let the power of the Holy Spirit begin to minister to hearts. Release healing where there's been brokenness in the heart. I release the oil of the Holy Spirit to come as an anointing God, to fall upon the hearts, to fall upon the minds where there's been fractured souls, where there's been wounding in the heart, where there's been damage done to the mind. God, I pray a release of that healing anointing to move in this place right now. That prison doors open. 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 Step out. Step out of it. Step out of it. Step out of it. Step out of it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now say this. I take an active stand against Satan and every one of his demons. I declare that the blood of Jesus separates me from every unclean spirit, from every demonic influence, from every curse over my life. And I declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. I declare that Jesus Christ is my Lord. By the authority of Jesus' name, I speak to every unclean spirit that has any influence in my life. I command you to come out. Go in the name of Jesus. I want you to lift your hands up. I'm gonna pray over you right now. The Holy Spirit's moving in this room. Father, let the power of the Holy Spirit fall in this place. Let the anointing that breaks the yoke, Father, move in this place. God, I ask you to send your angels to minister in this room and around this place, Father. Send your holy angels, God. Let the power of the Holy Spirit move through this place. Jesus, walk through these chairs, Father. Move through this room and touch your people. Break the chains. In the name of Jesus, I command every unclean spirit to come out from the people right now in Jesus' name. I command every unclean spirit that has influence in their lives, go out in the name of Jesus Christ. I break the power of every demonic influence. I say, out from the people now, out from the people now, go right now, go right now, go right now. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke the spirit of heaviness. I say, spirit of heaviness, come out in Jesus' name. Spirit of oppression, come out in the name of Jesus Christ. I command that spirit 
of depression, oppression comes out in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It goes from you now. It goes out from you now. It lifts off in Jesus' name. I break the power of the spirit of fear. I say, come out in the name of Jesus. Spirit of fear, out right now. Go right now. Leave the people now. It goes out from you. I break the chains. It leaves you in Jesus' name. Spirit of anxiety, come out in the name of Jesus Christ. It goes, it goes, it goes, it goes, it goes. It leaves you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Let's stay in this place for a few more minutes. If you need to put your hands down, you can. Just stay focused on Jesus. Focused on Jesus. Stay focused on him right now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. I break the power of every unclean spirit of sexual immorality. I say spirit of pornography. Come out in the name of Jesus. I command every spirit tied to sexual immorality to go now, to go now, to go now, to lead the people now, to go from them now. In Jesus' name, I rebuke the spirit of lust. I say it goes now, it goes now, it goes now. It leads the people now. In Jesus' name. I break the spirit of witchcraft in the name of Jesus. Spirit of witchcraft comes out now in Jesus' name. I break every witchcraft curse. It goes now, it goes now, it goes now, it leaves now in the name of Jesus. I rebuke the spirit of death. Come out in Jesus' name. Spirit of death goes out. Every spirit of the fear of death goes out now, goes out now, goes out now. I rebuke the spirit of infirmity. It comes out. Spirit of infirmity, come out in Jesus' name. Spirit of affliction, go out in Jesus' name. It leaves the people. I rebuke the spirit of torment. It comes out in the name of Jesus. Every lying spirit that torments your mind, I command it to go out right now, out right now, out right now. In Jesus' name, I command every spirit connected to bipolar comes out in Jesus' name. Every spirit connected to mental torment, out in the name of Jesus. Every spirit of insomnia comes out in the name of Jesus. It goes right now, it goes right now, in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father, I thank you, Father. I rebuke the spirit of addiction. Spirit of addiction comes out right now, go. Leaves you now, in Jesus' name. I command that spirit of alcoholism, it goes, it goes. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father. I thank you, God. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, would you move in this place? Release your peace, your peace, your manifest glory, your presence. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You are here. You are present. You are in this room. You are moving. You're the I am. You're touching your people. How many people already in this place have you felt something has left you, lifted off of you? Would you put a hand up? Would you put hands up? Would you put hands up? Would you put hands up? I want you to look around and see. Look, there's hands all over the room going up. Can we just clap our hands? That's God moving. 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 I can't tell you how many times now I've had people tell me, I was in that deliverance service and this happened. These are real things that are happening right now. These are real things that are happening. Chains are being broken off. And God's gonna teach you to walk in that freedom, to renew your mind, to live according to his word, to draw near to him. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. The last thing I wanna do is pray for physical healing. If you need physical healing, would you put a hand up? Would you put a hand up? You need physical healing. All right, you see people with their hands up. We need to deploy the body of Christ right now. 
deploy the body of Christ. If you are, uh, if you're an elder, if you're a staff, or if you're a person in the room that you want to pray, just go. But let's get our, let's make sure our elders and our staff and our prayer team people spreads out as well. But if you uh, if, if you want to step out and begin to pray and minister, I want you. I want us to pray with faith that God's going to do something right now. I want us to pray the way Jesus taught us to pray which is to speak to the mountain and command it to move with authority. We're not commanding God. Listen, we, we can't command God, but he's given us authority to command sickness, to command disease. So begin to do it right now. Let God let the Holy Spirit move through this place. God, let a wave of your healing power flow through this room, God. Let a wave of your healing anointing, Lord, fall in this place. Let the power of the Holy Spirit, let the fire of God move in people's bodies, God. Restore people's bodies, God. Restore to health, God. In the name of Jesus, I command spirits of sickness and infirmity to go out, to go out, to go out, to go out. I command spirits of disease to go out in the name of Jesus. God, let your power move through this room.
So before we finished up here, I just want to wait on the Lord. Let's just wait on the Lord for a minute. You can you continue to pray for the people you're praying for. Let's just quiet ourselves. Your kingdom come, Father, right now. Your kingdom come in this room. kingdom come, God, right now in this room. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Your kingdom come. Lord, I release healing over people's digestive system. There's problems in the digestive system in the name of Jesus. Right now, I just command that to come into order. Right now, whatever's causing uh, problems in the digestive system, Lord. I declare restoration right now, moving in that part of the body in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Lord, let your Holy Spirit fall in this place. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. people have experienced a, some sort of an encounter with God tonight? Would you lift your hands up if, just, if you've experienced some sort of an encounter with God in a tangible way? Come on. Amen. Amen. The I am, the I am, the I am, the I am. I want to encourage you, if you're sitting there and you're like, well, I didn't have an encounter with God yet. Hey, I don't want, there's no condemnation. I've been in that chair many times. I've been in the service many times where God, I want a fresh touch from you. I want this. And let's just keep our eyes fixed on the Lord. Let's embrace whatever mystery, but let's walk in that relationship and let's grow in our faith to see him as the God who was and is and is to come. Amen. So Father, we just thank you for what you're doing in this place. Thank you for what you've done. Put your hand on your heart. God, I pray right now for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit over every person in this room, every person watching right now, Lord. Let them be filled with the Holy Spirit afresh. Let there, let there be a cleansing, Father, of the blood of Jesus wash over them. Let there be a washing of the water of your Holy Spirit in your word. Let them be filled with the Holy Spirit, Father, in Jesus' name. Let them be filled with your Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's just give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. 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 
Yeah, let's just give him praise for a minute. Let's just give him praise for a minute. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. God, we press in, Lord. We contend for the fullness as we walk in what you've already given us, Lord. In the present time, Father, show yourself to us as the resurrected King, the resurrection and the life, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information about Threshold Church, visit the website at threshold-church.com.